You're listening to Teacher Features, a podcast where real educators evaluate teachers from film and television and discuss what Hollywood gets right and wrong about education. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Teacher Features. I'm Jake Scott. And I'm Catherine Oberg. This week we watch Dead Poets Society, so we'll do an evaluation of Robin Williams' character, Mr. Keating. This is Teacher Features. We always start with a summary of the movie, so Catherine, do you want to tell us what this movie was about? Yeah, so in Dead Poet Society, Mr. John Keating wants to teach the boys at Welton, a prestigious preparatory school, to think for themselves. But his purpose contradicts the school's and parents' values. So, Professor Keating must watch as his teachings change the lives of his students forever. Great. All right, let's start by discussing what we think Mr. Keating does well as a teacher. This is going to be difficult for me because I almost loved everything that he did. And I don't know if that's just like because it's Robin Williams and I feel like a sentimental that I don't know what it is. Okay. But I just thought he was like amazing in right, almost well, every way. Well, let's get specific. What did yeah. you think he did that was so amazing? In almost anything he did, he always had this like hook that just was so engaging and just like brought the students in. He definitely was able to hook his students' interests immediately. Yes. Even from the very first minute of the first class when he walks through the yeah, room. just leaves. And leaves yeah. and then says, come on with me, boys. It was different than any other class they'd had. Yep. And they were instantly interested and really wanted to know what was going to happen next. And also in that whole segment, like, the, he walks them out of the room and then he brings them to that, like, gallery the, of yeah, the, the former students. the gallery of, of pictures. And, like... With that, he immediately connects their lives to the lives of these boys. And so I think by doing that, he just helped the students have, like, a buy-in. Because he said something like, I don't remember what it was. Now we, we can find the quote. Something that, like, automatically, like, these are, this is you, basically. And you can tell that that lesson was so beneficial because, like, as they leave, like, the boys are like, well, that was weird. That was spooky. That was different. And, like, they all bought into it. They bought into him after that lesson, I feel. It's interesting because he is showing them the pictures of the former students who have graduated, and some are even now deceased because the school's been around for so long. And it kind of serves the same purpose as the introduction to the school year that the boys get from, like, the headmaster, mm-hmm. where they march through the halls and light the candle. It's very much like in Mona Lisa yes. Smile, where they knock on the door. door. Yep. It's that, um, it's like a ritual to yep. to inspire learning and make them feel like they're part of a broader community yep. than just their class. But I think what Keating does is he makes it much more real. Yeah. We are, we are food for worm, lads. That's what he says. <laughs> Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. The Latin term for that sentiment is carpe diem. Now, who knows what that means? Carpe diem. That ceased the day. Very good, Mr. Meeks. Meeks. Another unusual name. Seize the day. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. Why does the writer use these lines? Because he's in a hurry. No. Ding! Thanks for playing anyway. Because we are food for worms, lads. Because believe it or not, each and every one of us in this room is one day going to stop breathing, turn cold, and die. Yeah, and so he 
gets them hooked right away. He does that throughout the, the movie. Yeah. It seems like every lesson has some kind of hook. And you can tell, though, that whatever, however he teaches, like, that hook was carpe diem. And throughout the entire movie, like, if you counter the number of references that the boys made to that themselves, like, I forget the one boy that was in love with the girl. Like, whenever he would Knocks do... Over yes, whenever yeah. he would do something, he would say... Carpe diem, and then he would like try something. Like he was gonna make the phone call to the girl at the at her house, and then like he hung up, and then he's like, "Oh, carpe diem." Yeah, the and he, worst so, character in the movie knocks over. Street. No, the worst character. I love him. Movie. He's possible. I. How do you dislike him? What do you like about him when oh. he kisses the unconscious girl? Okay, okay, that that was. Or when the- he continues to. Pursue her after she says no many, many times. I guess I didn't see it that way. I saw it that way. It's not better than the guy she's with who, like, beats up people. You didn't think Knox Overstreet had a punch in the nose coming after he was kissing someone who was unconscious? Okay, fine, fine, fine. I don't think he's, like, a bad person, I don't think he necessarily I think he was... But I think those things that he was doing were meant to think, like, He's a romantic, but he deserved a punch in the nose for kissing an unconscious woman at a party. That's okay. icky behavior. Carpe diem, no, no. Don't carpe I, diem that in that I instance. don't. Well, I wasn't talking about that instance. I know, And he didn't say carpe diem, I don't think, in that he instance. Did thought he thought it so much, oh, though. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, he was endearing in other moments, but... He was With that not, girl like, stuff, I was like, no. She has said no many times to you, Knox, and you still, like, humiliate her in front of her class by reading a poem. In front of... That's humiliating. Would you want that? No, I would not want that. No. And she said she didn't want it, and he did it anyway. So when he got punched, I was like, you had that coming, Knox. No means well, no. Well, and I think he knew he had it coming, though. Like, he never yeah. said, like, you shouldn't have punched me. Right, I think he realized true. he had that's done true. something wrong. Anyway, let's go back to Mr. Keating. Good <laughs> Lord. One of them expecting that to get such a strong really? response. Oh I, oh, I thought he was such a weasel. Yeah, I did. I thought he was a weasel. <laughs> I thought he, yeah. Not the guy that, like, ratted out Keating. Like, that well, guy's the weasel. He was a weasel, weasel, too. He was a weasel, too. All these little prep school kids were just weasels. They no were. wonder you didn't like this movie as much as I did. Yeah. Let's talk about more about what Mr. Keating does well. I don't want to say anything else. No. no. God. Um, so what else yeah. did you like about Mr. Keating? Um, at one point, this is like a very minor detail, but like if you notice like when he spoke to his students, he would like get down at their level. Do you ever know like they would, he'd be trying to make like some big point about like poetry. And instead of like standing in the front of the room, he would, like, walk over, and, like, he would kneel by their desk. He'd like, come on in, boys. And they all would, like, huddle around him. I thought everything he did was engaging. He was definitely yeah. very engaging. He was a performer. I thought he used humor really well with the boys. Yeah. Like, he knew his audience very well. Um, like, when they he, ripped them. And he, but they all were engaged. But mo- I guess the of the students that, like, the movie focused on, they were all engaged by him. Mm-hmm. Like, even, um, I think it's Dalton, the kid in the back... That's kind of the edgy one. Oh, Tawanda? Yeah, or whatever. Yeah, Nuanda? What, yes. He, like, when at first, uh, Keating was like, rip out the page of the book. And they all were like, can't rip out the page. He was like the kid in the back row that, like, didn't give a crap about anything. And he, he did just, it right oh, away. he yep. was the first one. So he reached 
different types of kids, I feel. Yeah, and I think he did a very good job of doing that. And he knew his, like, teenage boy audience because his his jokes, like, they thought he was hilarious. Yeah, they they thought he was so funny. Yeah, they hit the right When he was reading Shakespeare in the different voices, the kids thought that was so funny. Yeah. But it got him into Shakespeare because yeah. he he knew them well enough to know that they would think that was funny. Um, I think he did a really good job of inspiring students. And we just talked about him ripping out the book. Yeah. That was so much different than any other lesson that they're yeah. going to have at that school. I did wonder what his plan was for next year. Because that's yeah. a lesson that's a one-timer. <laughs> Tape them back in. <laughs> Rip it out again. Yeah, the next year's class is going to come in and he won't be able to do that. But I bet they own the book. I I bet those books are the students' books. Perhaps, maybe. So he can do it. Oh, he could do it every year. Every year. Every year. Every year. Um, You mentioned this before. I thought he did a nice job of using, like, flexible seating. Yeah. Because he got up and got out of the classroom. He moved around the room. He had them stand on his desk. They stood up. Which is, oh, my God, when they stand on the desk at the end of the movie, that's not related to his teaching style, but I just love it. kind of well, is. Well, it kind of is. Because, I love that. Possibly one of the best scenes in the movie. Oh, it probably is the oh best scene Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, it's very powerful. It's great. Well, captain, my captain. Sit down, Mr. Anderson. You hear me? Sit down. Sit down. This is your final warning, Anderson. How dare you? You hear me? Oh, Captain, my captain. Mr. Overstreet, I warn you. Sit down. Um, and it was totally what he was about, so yes. they were showing him yes. that, it, that they were listening. Oh, my God, I love him. I also liked how he he directly stated his purpose to the boys. And, like, at first, I, I think, like, the first few times I've seen this movie, I never noticed it. But, like, watching it through the lens of the teacher, he, like, he states the purpose is, like, you will learn to think for yourselves again. Mm-hmm. And, like, though people disagree about, like, writing an objective or directly stating an objective, like, I'm a believer in it. And, like, those, by stating that, I feel like the boys knew what, like, they could accomplish. I liked how he stated it. It gave his whole class a theme. Yes. The carpe diem, think for yourself theme. Because all throughout the year, everything he did related back to that. Yes. He also was great at appealing to different learning styles. Because yeah. I think specifically about when he took them marching in the courtyard. Yes. And then when he took them to the soccer field. And like they that's, kicked it. Oh, kicked I love that. It's the kinesthetic music. learning. It's a musical intelligence. It's... Uh, Oh. tied to literacy it's everything so that's a multi-intelligence lesson it's out of the classroom yeah and i think because he's using all those different settings it makes it more memorable because even in class if you sit in different seats you are more likely to remember stuff because if you're always in the same spot it starts to yeah to kind of just zone m- meld together but he had them up in the school in the schoolyard and they were always doing things different which is going to make it a lot easier for those kids to remember what they were learning yeah. and to make it interesting it keeps it interesting and he you can see that other teachers noticed that because the the latin teacher yes. had his kids marching around in the in the field at the end of the movie oh really so i you, didn't notice that so at the end of the movie when keating has when we kind of know that he's on the way out yeah he looks out of the window, the window and the latin teacher is walking with some boys they're practicing latin as they go for a walk i didn't notice and that he part. gives him a look from from the schoolyard and kind of a wave 
Oh, say, I like I like this movie even more now. Yeah, so I like that's that. a great that's a good teaching strategy yep. to to get the body involved yep. while you're engaging yeah. the mind because it's gonna make the learning yep. stick. So he was great at that. He he always had his kids doing stuff. Yep. They were really very rarely just in the room. Sitting down, yeah. Nah, very I can't even think if there was a seat a scene besides ripping of the pages. There were other times when kids were sitting there, but it was like they were watching someone yeah, perform, perform a poem yeah, or something. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah. he seemed to be getting up and moving a lot. Yeah. What other things did you think he did well? Well, the, the last two things that I noticed that relate to that scene when he's having the ki- like the students perform a personal poem, there are two things that I noticed that I liked. One, like, there's the one kid that, like, makes the joke, like, oh, the cat sat on the mat. It's some, like, very basic thing. And, like, I think a lot of teachers in that moment would flip that as, like, a negative, like, you're not taking this seriously. You're not doing your job. But I love, like, how he flips it. And, like, because all the boys think it's funny and they're laughing. And he still, like, he praises him, but not in, like, I'm trying to know how to explain it. Like, he doesn't directly say, like, I approve of what you just did. But he flips it in a way that you could tell, like, at the end of, like, their conversation, the boy that did it, like, gets what he did. gets what he, And he he still respects Keating. But also, like, at the end, he stands up on the desk. And if he, he actually, had ridiculed him, that kid at the end would not have stood up on that desk. Yeah, his... Um... But it, I don't know what it is I'm trying to explain. Well, it's his teaching moment there when the kid yeah. phones in the assignment, doesn't do it, doesn't take it seriously. He could have dressed him down right there yep. yelled at him or scolded him in front of the class. Instead, he was really gentle. Yeah. And he, he like he guided it, it back that he was, that he liked the kid, even though he didn't like the yes. poem that he wrote and used it as a teaching moment for everybody where he's, he was really communicating. The poem was not good, but I still think you are good. Like, Yes. And he was very gentle. And I love that. And, oh, that's great. That's a ex- that's excellent teaching. Because I know, like, we all have moments where it's someone, a kid does something, and it's like, no matter how kind-hearted you are, sometimes you, you like, have that immediate, like, reaction. And, like, I don't know what his immediate reaction was. Like, maybe that is he's just naturally. Well, he was such a good-humored person. Exactly. So going. You know, but I just think we can, like, I always believe like every behavior is driven by like a a deeper belief or a deeper attitude or a deeper something something was going on with that kid that he was gonna phone it in, and instead of like penalizing him for that, he flipped it, and I lo- that was like my one of my favorite things he did. And also in that scene, and then I'll be done with this scene with uh, what's what's the boy? Yes, Todd. Todd. So also in that scene with Todd. Yeah. He, Todd doesn't do the assignment. Well, he does do the assignment. He just wrinkles it all up. Like he's so unsure of himself. And I think that's like a very hard moment as a teacher is like to know when to push and when not to push. And at first, like when he brings him up there, I'm just like, oh, this, this poor kid, like he's going to be humiliated. But, and I don't know if like in a real classroom it would turn out this way, but I feel like Keating knew when to push kids. In a good way. Does that make sense? I completely agree. Yeah. I wrote down the same thing because I at first saw that as a negative. Yeah. That he was singling someone out and pushing them in 
in a public situation yes. where it was really high risk for the kid. But because of the way it worked out, it made me think that Keating had enough information about his student and he knew him well enough to know, to know he had it, it was okay to push him in that situation yes. and to push him that far and that hard. And I think that's a hard thing because like, we're in IB school and we do this big exhibition project at the end of the year. And this year I had these three girls that always wanted to be together. So I knew if I split them apart, there was, they weren't going to work well probably in the groups. And I'm just like, well, why am I trying to split these girls apart? Like put them together. And like for me, like that was like a high risk moment for those girls putting three girls that maybe didn't have the skill sets to be up in front of the class, working together, presenting to peers and to parents, but putting them together, like they knocked it out. They did better as that group than they would have ever done it individually. And so it, it kind of reminded me of that. It's like, you have those moments where you're like, you can either just like maintain the status quo or push a student to do something else. And if you really know the student, like you can do that successfully. It reminded me of something that happened last year. We have a program at our school where theater artists from the Children's Theater come in and help our class develop a play and perform it on the stage at the Children's Theater for their parents and other parents. And we had a girl who had dealt with being taken away from her family, being put in foster care, uh, all sorts of very stressful, difficult issues that year, and had trouble even functioning in class where she would get up and skip class and she wanted to be in the play and she was ready to be in the play and she even stepped up to take like a speaking role and kind of put herself out there and we had to really balance how much to push her so we knew she could be successful but if you pay enough attention to your students I think teachers can can make the right call in that situation yeah. and and let students stretch what they think they're yeah. capable of. And I think the hard thing, too, is that it's that balance between not letting your own assumptions of a student influence how much you push or how much you ask for. Like, he could have seen that that kid never talks in class and just said, oh, he's not going to talk anyways. Let him sit. Or, like, like, if you look at our perceptions of different students based on their backgrounds, like, that is a piece of that. Like, you could have said she can't do these things because she's been through all these situations, but you didn't do that. And I also got the impression, like, the situation we're talking about where where Todd kind of improvises a yes. poem in front of the group, that worked out fine, but I got the impression that if Todd hadn't been able to come up with a poem, Keating would have known how to... Fix it. ...make it okay. Yeah. And make a failure okay and, and make that fine in the yep. class. I got... Like, we didn't see that, but... And, you kind of got the feeling that And that doing it okay. publicly, though, like, think of how much confidence he got in that moment in front of his entire... Like, that's what he needed. Mr. Anderson thinks that everything inside of him is worthless and embarrassing. Isn't that right, Todd? Isn't that your worst fear? Well, I think you're wrong. I think you have something inside of you that is worth a great deal. I sound my barbaric... Yup, the rooftops of the world. W, W, Uncle Walt again. Now, for those of you who don't know, a yup is a loud cry or yell. Now, Todd, I would like you to give us a demonstration of a barbaric yup. <laughs> Come on, you can't yup sitting down. Let's go. Come on, up. 
I get in yopping stance. Uh, a yop. No, not just a yop. A barbaric yop. Yop. Come on, louder. Yop. Oh, that's a mouse. Come on, louder. Yop. Oh, good God, boy, yell like that. There it is. You see? You have a barbarian in you after all. Now, you don't get away that easy. Picture of Uncle Walt up there. What does he remind you of? Don't think. Answer. Go on. A, a, a madman. What kind of madman? Well, think about it. Just answer again. A crazy madman. Oh, you can do better than that. Free up your mind. Use your imagination. Say the first thing that pops into your head, even if it's total gibberish. Go on. Uh, go on. A, a sweaty tooth madman. Good God, boy. There's a poet in you after all. There. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Close them. Now, describe what you see. Uh, I, I close my eyes. Yes? Uh, and this image floats beside me. The sweaty tooth madman. The sweaty tooth madman with a stare that pounds my brain. Oh, that's excellent. Now give him action. Make him do something. His hands reach out and choke me. That's wonderful, wonderful. And all the time he's mumbling. What's he mumbling? Uh, mumbling truth. Yeah, yeah. Truth like, like a blanket that always leaves your feet cold. Forget them, forget them. Stay with the blanket. Tell me about that blanket. You, 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 you push it, stretch it. It'll never be enough. You kick at it, beat it. It'll never cover any of us. From the moment we enter crying to, to the moment we leave dying, it'll just cover your face as you wail and cry and scream. Let's talk about the weaknesses. What, what did you find that he was not doing well? I can't, like, pinpoint anything, sp like, specific, I feel, but it was just, like, this general idea. Like, the students in his class, like, at the age they are, like, they are impressionable. And I think one of like I don't know if it's the headmaster someone says that at some point and though he never explicitly told them like go make this dead poet society sneak off go do these things in this cave he does like give them the book yeah he does well he definitely plants that idea he plants it and he never says like go you have to go do this he plants the idea and like though I don't feel like that was like I don't feel like that club was responsible for all the negative things that happened after i do think it is a moment to realize how much power you do wield as a teacher i love the line when it was um the dalton kid who wrote about it in the paper secretly and then it's that big the meeting with everybody and the headmaster's like i'm going to figure out who did this and then he does like the fake phone call from god, oh god. I'm asking any and all students who know anything about this article to make themselves known here and now. Whoever the guilty persons are, this is your only chance to avoid expulsion from this school. Welton Academy, hello. Yes, he is. Just a moment. Mr. Nolan, it's for you. It's God. He says we should have girls at Welton. <laughs> And Keating comes in, like, when they're all meeting later after the Dalton kid's been, like, beat because of it, basically. And the kid says, and this kid is, like, free thinking, like, does his own thing. If anybody in that play marches to their own drummer, it's him. But the line he says is, I thought you'd like it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was trying to show off for the teacher. Yeah, I thought you'd like it. Like, and so I just think that that's an area of growth for Keating is realizing like as an inspiring teacher there are consequences for that and I think he had to be more mindful of how he guided the boys because they're in an environment that doesn't fit what Keating believes it's a tough balance yeah. because I think Keating 
the way he interacts with those boys, he is fully aware that teenage boys are going to make mistakes. Yeah. And they need a place where they can make mistakes. So, like, the cave in the woods is a fine place for them to go goof off and, yeah. and do their weird, like, singing that song. Yeah. The Congo. <laughs> I like that part. <laughs> then they're walking out of the cave. <laughs> I just wanted to, like, be there clapping with them. So I think he recognizes like what the nature of teenage boys is and so they are going to make mistakes but it is it's a I think he had to make the mistake in order to learn and maybe he just went too far but then even when Keating comes in and talks to him he does the same thing where it's like he doesn't do it harshly and he does it in a way that kid learned his lesson he didn't have to yell at him yeah. he didn't have to shame him he even gave him like a little joke as he left yeah and it was okay yeah, he made it okay but you're it's that balance and it's like cuz really like, if I was in his role, and, like, I had this super cool secret club that I had done, like, why couldn't, like, it wouldn't have been as, like, exciting and dramatic as them sneaking off to some cave. But, like, basically it was a poetry club. At the most basic level, it's like, why couldn't that have been run in the school setting? It wouldn't have been interesting. As interesting, it wouldn't have had that, like, individual nature secret rebellious exactly nature. but i wouldn't yeah well but is he responsible do you think i think he's responsible for the club okay he gave him the book yeah he definitely gave him the book and told him about the club and he knew and you they think were, he knew they were he knew that they were that doing club, it. or at least he had that in mind and like later they blame neil perry's spoiler alert death on <laughs> On Keating, like saying the, the poet society caused him to commit suicide. Right. When it was I don't think clear that, yeah. Keating, that that kid was pretty manic throughout the movie. Yeah. Like he, he seemed. Really, I never picked up on that. Think about when he tells his roommate that he's going to audition for a play, and he's leaping around and wearing that little cape. I he just that. seems really like up and emotionally down. up and down. Where, um. I guess I never noticed that. Yeah, he kind of had some manic things about him where he would. Like when he, he go, really... went into the monologue about the desk set and threw it off the, the roof. Yeah. He... Yeah, I guess I didn't think that. And I also think maybe, you know what, don't keep guns in your house. Yeah. Because then your teenage boy can't get them. And don't threaten to send your child to military school. Yeah, military play. school. Did that ever do... It's uh, only yeah, a threat. No, that doesn't seem like... In movies and TV... Donald it's... Trump went to military school. Wait, did he really? Yep. <clears throat> I didn't know that. Fun fact, everybody. <laughs> I think one of the other things I thought was maybe a negative is... He kind of sometimes uses his humor in a little bit of a mean way, like when he makes fun of Mr. Pitt's and Mr. Meek's names. Yeah. It's like, come on, it's their names, they can't help that. And he did it kind of in a loving way, yeah. but it's also like... I would have been mortified. Come on, yeah. that's not very nice. Like, just lay off. And I also thought his class was definitely set up to favor extroverts. Yeah. Because he was he was a huge yeah, performer. To the point where it was often very teacher-centric, where it was just like, he's going to put on a, a show, show for these kids. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and then there was a huge emphasis on performance and speaking aloud in front of the group. Yeah. Which there's value to, but also there's kids who are just not going to succeed in that environment because it's not who they are. They're introverted. And he that, pushed yeah. some of them, like Todd, he pushed him to do some things, but there are other ways to show what you know and get the same lessons where sometimes he was running it almost more like an acting class. Yeah, like why does everybody have to come up and read the poem? Right. Like could, is it an option to turn it in written? Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think of that. So he had a huge emphasis on performance where that isn't necessarily the best way for every kid to learn. 
Yeah. I also think, I mean, we talked about this and it ended up being a positive, but kind of to go along with that, he does pick on Todd and calls him out and makes him do everything in public. Like his, yeah, he calls his... him a mole on the way out. <laughs> like something like, don't know, I know that you're terrified about this, like you little mole or something. Like he really says that. Yeah, he says I looked stuff. up the line. He really walks the line, but like the walks the line about public humiliation <laughs> sometimes when wow. he does it in good fun. But sometimes when a teacher does something in good fun where they think it's a joke, like the kid is hurt by it. And it really does a lot of damage to the relationship. Yeah. So if a kid doesn't really feel safe about that, they're not going to yeah. respond well in that situation. And it's going to really set them back and make it a lot harder for the kid to be successful in there. If he's like, you know, Mr. Meeks could have turned him off the first day. But I think other than that, it was hard to find anything else that he did that was really negative. I have one more thing I dislike. Okay, what was your other thing? Well, I think with poor Neil when he's having this conversation with him about talking to his father and he like you visibly see that like Neil is not okay like when he's sitting at that desk and they're having this like visibly you can tell something's wrong with him mm-hmm. and then you go to the play and then the dad like says stay away from my son like before it got to that point like why didn't he contact the family yeah like i think your some son is, is having some trouble yes like in like Really, at that point, like, yes, he wants Neil to learn to speak for himself, but he's also a teenager. Yeah, he's like, what, 15, 16 years old? Yeah, like, you're the adult. Right. Like, if you see this kid and this kid struggling, it's like, you put yourself out there and contact him. Yeah, there should have been maybe some intervention when Neil started to to act a little weird. That was my thing. I feel like, not that it would have changed, but I do feel like he is partially at fault for not saying something to the parents. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what other signs Neil showed that things weren't going well. I, just I think, think it was that, mostly in that meeting where Neil was so nervous and, and, like, and seemed to be hiding something. Yeah, like, don't just let it be. Yeah. I th- yeah, I think you're right. I think he could have... You would want a teacher to step in if, yes. if it's so noticeable that a kid is acting yes. so unusual. Yes, that was my thing. Okay. All right. Now let's talk about what we think Mr. Keating could do to be a better teacher. And I think we already kind of touched on this, but um, what would you say? Just be better about parent communication? Parent communication. I think your point about like extroverts, introverts, I did not even think of that. So give an opportunity. Because I think I'm super extroverted. So I would have been like all about like kicking the ball and yelling something across sure. the soccer field. But So maybe giving more opportunities for introverts to succeed in the class. Yeah. Maybe different forms of assessment that don't require performance. Yeah. And then... Just being aware of your influence. I think he learned the really, a hard way. The hard way. way that, yeah, and I I don't think it's his fault. I don't either. I wouldn't put any blame no. on him for what happened there. But I, I do think that you have to be very careful when you're influencing those young kids like that. I don't put blame on the fact that he, the boy killed himself, but I do think that that interaction between the father and the son, that could have possibly be mitigated, could have been mitigated. Yeah. All right, let's rate Mr. Keating. What do you think? Is he exemplary, proficient, developing, or ineffective? I think he's exemplary. Okay, why? Because I think everything he did in the classroom was so incredibly engaging. And by the way that the students spoke and 
performed and applied it to their own lives, I think his objective had, you could, you could measure it, I feel. I would say between proficient and exemplary, I think he's very good, but I think there does need to be different modes of letting kids show what they know. Yeah. And I think different, um, I think he needs to provide different opportunities for kids to demonstrate their their master of the, the content. And I think he um, needs to not make so much fun of kids with last names. They can't help that. I know. Be nice to Meeks. Be nice to Pitts. They're good kids. Like, yeah. But I don't think Meeks and Pitts really minded. They didn't mind, but yeah. they could have. They could have. And he didn't know that at that point because that was I the guess. first day class I when he I made guess. fun of their names. Um, yeah, but otherwise, I, yeah, he was a, his teaching was very good and his lessons were very, very engaging. Yes. All right. Final thing, what can you learn from Mr. Keating? What could you take back to your classroom? I think that the routine was never the same in his room. And I feel like we get very routine. Like yeah, in we the way we do. teach. And I think in some ways kids like that was for one like they had him for probably one hour a day compared to like we have our kids all day. Right. You know, but I feel like that's probably even more of a like I feel like the routine of what we teach, when we teach, can kind of stay the same, but how we teach doesn't necessarily need to be so consistent. Definitely. Yeah. I think what I will take from him is getting the kids up out of their seats, yeah. get them out of the classroom. I mean, we have an awesome courtyard. Yeah. We have a big field outside the school. We have a playground. We have a library. We have all sorts of different places where learning could happen, and it so often is just limited to the classroom, and it doesn't yeah. have to be. So yeah. I'm going to try to do that this year. Good. All right. So I think that wraps up our discussion of Dead Poet Society. Thank you for listening. I'm Jake Scott. And I'm Catherine Oberg. This has been Teacher Features. Thank you for listening to Teacher Features. Please subscribe to the podcast and write a review on iTunes. It helps our listeners discover the show. Also, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter, at PodcastPLC, to share your opinions about the teachers we discuss on the show. We love to hear what you think. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to Teacher Features. Please subscribe to the podcast and write a review on i. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Teacher Features. Okay, start that over. That was terrible. Yeah, okay. Thank you for listening to Teacher Features. <laughs> <laughs> Let me compose myself before you say It's because you do your radio voice when you do it. Uh, thank you for listening to Teacher Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for listening to Teacher Features. This is Tank from the Tank and Gary Show. I'll start. Thank you for listening to Teacher Features. Please subscribe to the podcast and write a review on iTunes.